0: I'm seeking something that's beyond my eyes that comes from my heart. And so I understand who I am and what my position in society allows me. And it is my duty to be uplifting for marginalized people. And I am a person of color. So I'm clear about that. But at the same time. The way that I feel I can help is to be clear about the love I have and to just talk about what I know, and that's music.
1: That was Michelle and Ndegicello, and this is Shiros, a podcast with a mission to turn up the volume of women and non-binary folks in music across genres and generations. I'm Carmel Holt, and what you're about to hear is a previously aired interview from my syndicated public radio show, Shiros Radio. And this month, we're Shiros and Queeros, a Pride Month celebration. Telling our stories is the first step to making music better for everyone. Michelle Indicicello was born Michelle Lynn Johnson in Berlin, August 29, 1968, and spent the first few years of her life in Germany. Her father was a military man and a jazz saxophonist, and in the early 70s, their family relocated to Virginia. Michelle was raised in Washington, D.C., attended the prestigious Duke Ellington School of the Arts, and started playing local clubs. She eventually landed in New York City after a stint of studying music at Howard University and became one of the first first artist to sign with Madonna's Maverick label in the early 90s her debut album 1993's plantation lullabies received three Grammy nominations and that album marks its 30th anniversary this year as Michelle returns with her 13th studio album the omnicord real book her first since her 2018 covers album ventriloquism and first album of original material since 2014's Comet come to me it's also her first for the legendary blue Blue Note Records. Her adopted last name is Swahili for Free Like a Bird, and I know for certain that I'm not the first to point out how perfect the name is for this genre-defying, cross-pollinating, progressive, and trailblazing artist, multi-instrumentalist, singer, songwriter, and producer, and 11-time Grammy nominee. A sought-after bassist, Michelle's incredible playing has elevated recordings by Madonna, The Rolling Stones, Alanis Morissette, Basement Jack's Indigo Girls, to name a few. Michelle's never shied away from topics of gender and race in her lyrics, and she's been an openly LGBTQ artist from the beginning who continues to carve her own path as an artist and a queer woman of color. I'm honored to welcome Michelle and Degacello as this week's Shiro and Queero in the spotlight. Michelle Degacello, welcome to Shiro's and Queero's. Thank you so much for doing this.
0: Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: I am so excited about this new album, the Omnicord Real Book. This is the first album of original material in a minute. You want to tell us a little bit about the album, the origin, the genesis of writing this record? I'm assuming this may have happened somewhere in pandemic times, right?
0: Yeah. COVID allowed me to have time to myself and be quiet. And my, my scoring career really took off during COVID once they realized they could have TV shows going on and people could just score at home, it was a game changer for me. Hell yeah. I had been working on Queen Sugar for the last several years, but it continued on during uh, mm-hmm. the lockdown. And then mm-hmm. I achieved getting two other shows and a documentary and I was working and I spent eight to 10 hours on a screen. So after that, I realized not only were my eyes tired, but my mind. And I started futzing around with my omnicord and just any instrument that didn't have a screen attached, any way I could make music without that. And I just yeah. started, you know, venturing in my mind and making music. It's funny. Well, first of all, I
1: think it would be a good idea for the listeners that don't know what an omnicord is. Can we break that down for a second? This oh, is like yeah. 1981, I think, this Oh, it did? Okay, you know made. the year. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. A,
0: it has like a drum machine in it that's like a Casio and a Rhythm King had a baby. And, <laughs> and it, then on it has these one-button chords that go through the major, the minor, and the dominant and how they relate to each other. And then it has this like little shimmery gold series of lines that you can strum. And then it makes it like glissado. And it's just a, like a really simple instrument, but it... I could sing with it and come up with melodies and just really work out rudimentary harmony ideas. But after a while, I just began to layer it and make songs out of with it and out of it, you know. It's a great instrument, especially it runs by batteries. You don't have to be plugged in the wall. It's amazing. Ooh, you
1: know? So much freedom with that. Yeah. yeah. Where did your Omnicord come from? Where did you... <laughs> Where Chris did you Bruce, and your Omnicord meet? Yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, Chris Bruce gave it to me for my birthday. We were in a studio uh-huh. and there was one in the studio we were working at and I just loved it. And he and he surprised me for my birthday a few months later. And it's been my friend ever since. I love it.
1: That's so awesome. I love it. And for listeners, here's a few places where you can hear the Omnicord featured in music history. The Gorillas used an Omnicord for Clint Eastwood. You may know Love is a Stranger by the Eurythmics. That also features the Omnicord. And there is, I don't know if you know this, Michelle, but there's another album that was inspired by the instrument itself by Minus the Bear is a an no. album called Omni. Yes. Yes, I will <laughs> so go, go check that. Out. Go check that out. So maybe a good place for us to start today would be a track from The Omnicord Real Book that heavily features the Omnicord itself. Where would you like to start today? We'll play a little clip.
0: Oh, you should play Omnipus. That's Okay, totally, awesome. Yeah, built on the Omnicord, yeah. <laughs>
1: Omnipus, featuring the Omnicord from Michelle and new album, The Omnicord Real Book. She's our guest today on Shiro's and Queiro's, our Pride Month celebration. I'm Carmel Holt. So, the other part of the title of the album, The Real Book, came from reconnecting with the first real book that you were gifted.
0: Yeah, my father was a jazz musician. He also played in the Army Band, he was an incredible sight reader and musician. And his bass player didn't show up for one of the NCO club gigs he had. And mm-hmm. so he was like, We're gonna do these songs out of the real book. He was like, just know the harmony, stick to the, you know, roots, and we'll be fine. And mm-hmm. that was like my introduction to understanding how the written music can bring people together when they don't have a lot of time to work out stuff. It's like a map, a roadmap for musicians yes. who have to gel together quickly. But also in terms of thinking in library terms, it helps set the canon to what are standards and what are the songs that people call. And I guess I, um, in a way, want to question the canon. But also mm-hmm. it's a tribute to my father for showing me like the importance of music and that connective fabric of a song. It allows five or more people to be in a room together and to make something meaningful together,
1: you know? And this is a highly collaborative album. Have you counted how many people you brought in to collaborate with you on this album? No,
0: I have not. But (laughs) I'm just grateful that they all said yes. And I'm just grateful for just the essence of their being. You know, Joel Ross is one of the most amazing vibraphonists. And on Vuma, he's just like a... A rhythmical master but I was so happy he joined me in the sense of how can we make this song you know special and so the way he approached it was so amazing it has improvisational qualities but he's like an arranger dancing through towers and I I love hearing him play
1: You're listening to Shiro's Radio, Shiro's and Queero's for Pride Month, a Pride Month celebration. Woo! Indeed! Woo. Yes! Right. Hooray for Pride. We have Michelle and Degicello here with us. I think the first time that I saw you
0: was at Lilith Fair. Time is beautiful. Time you know,
1: is beautiful time and we're still beautiful. here, which is a great thing. That festival just had a big anniversary. Your debut album is having a big anniversary this year, the 30th anniversary. Yes, it is. Plantation Lullabies, is still one of my favorites of all time. Um, any reflections on that beautiful moment of Lilith Fair and that first album and the kind of movement that was happening, trying to create more space for women Yeah, definitely.
0: The reflection is that I'm so grateful for that moment in time for showing the viability of women as headliners. It's different now, you know, because time has passed, but I think it was built on the backs of Littlefair to show that women could be viable for a festival. And plus, it was just one of the most pleasant festivals I've ever been on in terms of how we were taken care of and treated and... There's something special about, I gotta be clear about that. I find men and women and everything beyond my simple perceptions. Mm -hmm. Just to be a grace, a grace from the creator. Not because of any physical attribute or generalization. It's just the spirit of the people. And Mm -hmm. Lilith Fair just had such grace and connectiveness, between all the artists and it may have been momentary or I don't know if it was just Sarah McLaughlin's intention mm-hmm. but the intention was very clear and it was just a loving musical experience everyone played to the, to the height of their abilities every night not in competition but in sort of like a dialogue between all of us about just the beauty of music. I hope that doesn't sound too <laughs> hippy dippy and airy, but it really that's the feeling that I was generated within me. I'm like we're all here to give of ourselves in the best way. It was amazing. Bring it back. Bring it back, <laughs> right? Who would headline? <laughs> Who would you have? Who would what do you see? Who oh, would it man. be? We definitely would have to honor so many people. I mean, like. I know. With, like Who's just, our
1: headliner this year? You mean like yeah. if, we, if we recreate Lilith now? Yeah. Man. Tell me. Tell me. Gosh, that's that's tough. I mean, <laughs> I think I would probably, I would have a lot of the OG people. Yeah. I would definitely have the Indigo Girls there. Yeah. Missy, for sure. Yeah. Sarah,
0: obviously. obviously She'd have to be of there. Of course. Oh, my God. A stripped down set. I would just. Yeah. I would swoon, uh, swoon,
1: swoon. <laughs> swoon. Nico Case would have Ooh. to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the newer side, I mean, gosh, you know, take your pick. I just had Arlo Parks on the show. Oh, I wow. don't know if you're familiar with her, yeah, but yeah, oh, I just Amazing. am such a huge, huge fan of Arlo Parks. Have you um, heard Kara Jackson? Yes, yes. Pawn Shop. That song. Oh, oh my, my God, that's my God. new. like,
0: Yeah, another. That's like, my new I jam. Can't wait to hear that live. You know, like I Same. mean, music. Yeah, t- t- when I play music, it's the, it's the rare time I feel genderless and raceless. It just splits my atoms in the most <laughs> unique way. And, but yeah, I would love a tour like that. It would just be amazing.
1: It's interesting because so I started doing this Shiro's project during the pandemic. And part of the reason why I started it was because I really felt like we needed a space similar to why Sarah did what she did. Yes, Um, yes. And there's also this part of me that hates that term. I hate saying women in music. I hate saying a female DJ, you know, it's it's putting myself in a box. There's also this feeling of I want to be proud about that. You know, we're here. We are in pride. I want to be proud about it. I want to make a point of it because it's not an equal playing field yet. And I want to normalize it and represent to own the space. And I still think that there's value in that. But anyway, I'm, I was curious to kind of throw that a big ball over to you and say, <laughs> like, what do you think of all that? Oh, um, wow.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, it's funny. I had an, another interview and we had a exchange about pride and Mm -hmm. just words we had had to exchange about words Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean to be honest because I think this is a part of the conversation that people are afraid to have Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I have achieved a certain amount of success that I live a very insular life right and so sometimes I just don't speak on things that I am not truly grounded in. I can tell you about my past and how I grew up being a queer person, but I think things are different now. They're they're young people, all people. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess I am the universal soldier and I believe sometimes finding that word or you're very particular about a certain position Mm -hmm. can limit you in your love, (laughs) just like, I mean, because I truly, to me, I'm like, I'm seeking something that's beyond my eyes that comes from my heart. And so I understand who I am and what my position in society allows me. And it is my duty to be uplifting for marginalized people. And I am a person of color. So I'm clear about that. But at the same time, The way that I feel I can help is to be clear about the love I have and to just talk about what I know. And that is music. And music saved my life and the Mm. arts saved my life. Mm. And without the queer community and the arts, I'm sad to say I wouldn't be here. And so my focus now is more on how I can be helpful to young people in that way. I'm on a foundation called SOS, Sounds of Saving. It's uh, suicide prevention. And I guess I'm just like, you know, we all need help and the all speaks for me. And whoever can connect through me and feel safe, I'm open to, you know, but if, okay, and then comma. But if you want to talk about the music business, things are changing. I think Terry Lynn Carrington at Berklee School of Music with the next Jazz Legacy program is ushering in young women into spaces that are sort of hard to maneuver through. And so she is a blessing. There are good things going on, but more so, the reason I love technology and social gathering spaces through technology is that it informs people that there's a lot going on. There's some amazing music being made by women all around the world. And so they're existing and there's a platform for them In terms of the zeitgeist, I don't know if that really exists anymore. I'm no longer a member of Neris. I really see the Grammys for for what they're for. Hmm. And to me, I'm like live music is about to make a huge comeback. And I just feel like there's no excuse. Just get out there and play. Create an audience for yourself. Be clear about your intention. Worry about those things. Fight the fight silent. Just roll deadly like a ninja. You know? (laughs) That's just how I try to be, you know.
1: Thank you so much for sharing your oh I appreciate you so much for these are
0: great questions.
1: The other thing that comes up a lot, and I thought about this when we were talking about Lilith Fair. Well, two things. One is that the music industry and festivals and, and live spaces was not designed really with women in mind. I talked to one woman who said, like, she was the most excited ever when there was tampons in the bathroom. <laughs> you yes. know, it's just like yes. that, like, never happens. Yes. So that's another thing that we talk about a lot is like, how can we reshape? You know, and there was a lot of talk during the pandemic about how we can make the music industry better for everyone from a mental health perspective. But I think think that also for women, there's a need to reshape how it looks and making it kinder for us, oh. kinder, safer spaces for us so that we can have longer careers. Oh right? yeah.
0: I really, I I agree completely, yeah. especially as I move through time. The space is, uh, is, you are very much affected by the space and mm-hmm. how you, you maneuver through it when you set up. Also, I'm learning like You know, it used to be fun to lug your equipment, and now it's not so fun. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So all these things are, yeah, I think it's about owning space and also thinking of alternative venues and times. I would love to go see music in the afternoon. (laughs) Totally. I'm really hoping to uh, work with Brown to create some sort of outdoor experiences that happen during lunchtime. Yeah, just as passers-by in a situation can experience music that they probably, you know, wouldn't come in contact with. Yeah. I think it's about alternative spaces, libraries. I think the home concert tours, that fascinates me as an older person. I watch a lot of my younger friends do it. It's like the great shedding. And you get travel, camaraderie, and different cultural experiences. I just hope that more more women owners. I guess I just got to say it. We need yeah. more women owners of venues, too.
1: Yeah. And tech, too. Te- tech, Ergonomics, cruise.
0: design. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. I want to point out that you are also a producer and you co-produced this album and I mean you talked a little bit about you know the time spent in front of the computer and how that made you really crave getting back to music without looking at it but what's been your journey with production and hmm. and is there an aspect of ownership with production hmm. that is it still important to you
0: Oh ownership mm. No well I no uh the four of us my main core band We Mm -hmm. all work on score together, and so Mm -hmm. we're together all the time. And I chose Joshua Johnson because we needed someone who knew us, but also would challenge us to try different things. And so as a producer, I believe there are different styles from what I've been exposed to, and there's more that I don't even know about. (laughs) Right. But I learned my first producer was a guy named Andre Betts, And he came from a hip-hop sort of thing where everything was in a machine, like the Mm. MPC-60. You had to technically know the machine so that you could execute your ideas. So that had some learning curves, but once I got it, it, it allowed me to create in a certain way. So I understand that, you know, you go as far as you can go with the technology. You have to study it and get into it and really talk with other people. And then I met Bob Power, and it was more about, like, are you going to be the type of producer, you're all about the arrangement. You're all about the inner workings of the song, mm. you know. But then he also is the one of the greatest engineers, so sonically he's very adept. So to me, he's all about the presentation and the sonic reception. And then I met David Gampson. and he, if you know a band called Scritti Pality, Yes. Yes. To me, he's all about the melody, the melody as core, and how to dress that up. How everything you do in the production is only to serve the melody. And then he would say right below that, is 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 grooving, you know? Can people feel, it? does it feel good? Mm. And then, you know, after making three records on a major label, things change. On the third one, I had to go back to one of the very first people I ever met, like in my life, to have an exchange about music. And that was Craig Street. He's the father of daughters, I have to say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he I say this just for a lack of a better word, because I would like to tell young women, you must assess the people, whomever, what gender, whatever, their intentions towards you. Mm-hmm. What is their focus, you know? And Craig was the first person who gave me a really positive musical discussion and exchange. He wanted to know what I was trying to accomplish. And so I think I have more of that production style sprinkled with all those other things. I wish I could be a better engineer. I, I, mm-hmm. um, I met the guy who produced Radiohead. He doesn't believe that you can be the producer if you can't engineer, but then Quincy Jones doesn't, you know, I don't know. So I ask those questions, but more so production is a chance for you to either aid someone else in bringing their ideas to fruition or to allow yourself to execute in the best way, technically, sonically, just in yourself. And that, I think that's really hard. I think even the great artists had to stop eventually. You need an outer eye, an outer ear, see? Even the yes. language, you need an outer ear.
1: Outer ear, yes. See, words are so important. Yes,
0: you're <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay, you know what? I would like to say that I'm, I'm a lover of women in space. Yeah, And you really have to surround yourself with people who too enjoy that chaos. People, Not a lot of people are a fan of him, but there's one Jordan Peterson book and he's like, you know, the feminine in some mythologies is represented by chaos. But it is only out of chaos that things grow and that it is a very feminine thing. And I find that if I do talk about things in that manner, I just want to ask anyone, do you truly believe that whatever created this only spoke to bearded men in the desert. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. and That's a great question, yeah. Yeah, and that women are the caregivers for the people, (laughs) all the people. (laughs) And that in that voice, there's no duplicity. And so I do find that as I age in this business, I'm no longer concerned with power, which I think was presented to me. And now I'm purely focused on the creative act, which is the most important thing. I think we've been derailed. And just think about the music you're making young people, especially young women. Think about your words. Yeah, because one of the questions in your pamphlet was, about like sexualities, and I, I I am finding it interesting. Like I made one record, and it, yeah, it's kind of saucy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and what what happens when like you're that's that person at that time, perhaps or maybe uh, you needed a more nuanced thing. And so I would like tell any artist of any hue or presentation, just be mindful of what you say. Just be mindful what you're talking about. Music is powerful. Music is possibly
1: one of the most powerful forms of communication. Music is powerful. Which is why this is such a powerful space to have these conversations, because I think that it can really move, move hearts and move minds. Michelle and DeCicello here with us on Shiro's. Can we pick a song to take us out with from the new record? Good, good. Good, good, yeah. What can you tell us about it before we go into it?
0: Oh, yeah, I'd love to tell you about that one. Speaking of one of the most beautiful women I've ever met, Jade Hicks. And um, the song is made out of two (laughs) beautiful female energies. I wrote the song on my partner's birthday when we were in Cape Cod. And it's just the feeling of that day and of being around her. So that's all the track. And then Jade is the sister of Justin of the group, the hot plates who are featured on the record. And the other hot plate is Justin's wife. And Justin, Kanita and Jade have been like a renewal for me in terms of understanding my voice and singing. And I just want to celebrate them. And I think Jade wrote just a beautiful melody and we just wanted to make you feel good, you know. Hope it brings some ease to you. I use it as my wake-up song, like when my alarm goes off, the first thing you hear is Jade's meditation. Feeling so good, good. What you gonna do with me? I know how to go. I know how to flow. What's that, good girl? gratitude
1: Michelle and Degicello. Thank you. It has been a huge honor to have you here. I'm such a fan and congratulations on this incredible new high watermark, the Omnicord Real Book.
0: I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. And happy Pride! Oh, happy Pride.
1: Many thanks once again to Michelle and Degacello for joining us. Her brand new album, The Omnicord Real Book, is available now on Blue Note Records. She Rose is produced by me, is mixed and mastered by Kelly Drake. Our original theme music is by Lucius. She Rose is also a nationally syndicated radio show. You can visit sheroesradio.com to find out more and support our work with Patreon or merch from the She Rose shop. Keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Carmel Holt or find us at She Rose Radio. And please consider leaving us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast that helps us grow and bring you more shiros. until next time remember music is our superpower i'm carmel holt thanks for listening